You are listening to The Sun on the Strip. I'm Brock Radke, entertainment writer for the Las Vegas Sun, and every Wednesday I'll have an exclusive conversation with someone who is being fabulous on the Las Vegas Strip, as well as an update on what's going on in the world of entertainment here in Vegas. Thank you so much for listening. The event to benefit the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation, held at MGM Grand Garden Arena Saturday night, ended up raising $2.7 million for youth charities doing good work here in Las Vegas and in Atlanta, and celebrity performers like Justin Bieber, who's back in town this weekend at Winds Night Clubs, Kelly Clarkson, Snoop Dogg, and Imagine Dragons put on a great show that everybody was talking about all week. And that's just the first of the big charity galas this season in Las Vegas. Coming up soon is Power of Love, which moved from MGM to Resorts World this year, and that event to support Keep Memory Alive just announced its performers this week. We already knew Babyface, Kenny Edmonds, and Smokey Robinson were going to top the bill, but others making appearances and performing include Bruno Mars, Anthony Anderson, Tori Kelly, Kenny Loggins, members of Boys to Men, and Charlie Wilson. Many other celebs are going to be walking the carpet and attending the event on October 16th, and you can get tickets or a table at keepmemoryalive.org. Usher has added some dates to his Coliseum at Caesars Palace residency, and he's going to be back in town sooner than he originally planned. The new shows are December 23rd and 24th, and there are still some tickets available for his previously announced performances on December 28th, 29th, 31st, and January 1st. And he's not the only one. New concert announcements unleashed this week include Santana, 311, New Kids on the Block, Rodney Carrington, and more. Get your weekly update Thursday at LasVegasSun.com by reading my Vegas showbiz column. It's called Curtain Up, and it's waiting for you every Thursday. A certifiable rock legend is my guest this week on The Sun on the Strip. John Fogarty has been playing Vegas pretty steadily over the last few years in a couple different venues. He's back this week, in fact, tonight, Wednesday, October 6th, at Encore Theater at Win Las Vegas. And he has five more concerts scheduled through the 16th. Everybody knows this guy's music, some of the rootsiest rock tunes ever written and recorded. And his new tour is really focused on his complete career. Fogarty also has two of his sons joining him on stage in the band these days. Shane plays guitar and Tyler sings. And that's one of his favorite parts of the show. It's pretty amazing all the different conversations I get to have for this podcast, but it's not every week you get somebody like this to talk to for a few minutes. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with John Fogarty. You're starting the tour tomorrow, right? How does it feel to get uh, to be getting back out there again? Uh, actually, I have played a few shows already, um, and it feels good. You know, I um, I think we all have our... How do I say it? We have our reservations about how things are going in the world. I happen to believe in masks and vaccinations. So to me, all of that is pretty clear. Uh, <laughs> I'm treading carefully here. Um, sure. But, you know, I mean, we we are still at a point where far too many people are dying so obviously, to, uh, I look at this as, uh, gee, we got to do something about this. You know, other people have, I guess, other points of view. But anyway, uh, in the midst of all that, it is great to be able to play music in front of people. 
Many times they're all wearing masks, and that's great, too. Did you find yourself, uh, you know, during the, I guess, the quarantine days of the last year and a half when we were all uh, staying at home, did you find yourself uh, turning to music, uh, just playing music, maybe writing or, or any of that? Or uh, are you an artist who had a, maybe a hard time or, or wasn't focused on uh, musical creativity during that period? Uh, well, I, I practice my guitar every single day. And so that keeps me uh, connected. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on a mission, I guess is the easiest way to say it, but because I've been on a mission for, you know, many years, if not decades, it probably, you know, looks boring to somebody from the outside. It's just a a discipline that I maintain. So um, during the lockdown, as I believe you met it, uh, you know, quarantine and all, uh, to me, it was just an opportunity to actually spend more time (laughs) <laughs> you know, with music. I have a, a little studio in my house, so I could go in there um, when my at times when my family didn't need me, and uh, get you know get some time in there recording and trying out things. And yes, indeed, writing uh, as well. Kind of all the normal things that uh, I have always done. But, you know, like everyone, the the pandemic or the especially the quarantine really changed. I mean, it's a crisis, you know, and it, it certainly changed the uh, the dynamic of my own family. I mean, you just spend you're just much more appreciative of everything. That's kind of what happened to me anyway. And I think everyone in my family. It's interesting to hear you talk about, uh, you know, playing guitar as practicing. I don't think, <laughs> I think most people don't think of, you know, you actually practicing, playing music, sure, writing and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, you've been doing what you do for uh, a long time now and uh, absolutely an expert in the field. So that's just an interesting uh, observation. Well, really, um, obviously there are, things on guitar I would love to be able to do, some of which I can't do. And when I look around at other guitar players, you know, I, I was very lucky. I got struck or bit by the guitar bug way early and was able, and I don't know how this happened in the days before the internet, you know, and Google. Um, but somehow, you know, in a, in a much slower uh, passage, a a much more, oh boy, a much slower evolution, I was able to focus on heroes such as James Burton and Dwayne Eddy. I didn't know Scotty Moore's name until I was, uh, I I was actually already famous. Um, I think I was in the process of recording Bad Moon Rising, or even something after that, when an engineer, you know, someone that I didn't really know at, like uh, thoroughly yet, it was just an acquaintance at that point, and he mentioned Scotty Moore's name. I mean, that's the way the world was then. You know, I, to me, he was always that guy that plays guitar with Elvis, and I didn't know his name. 
So to me, that's very telling about how, you know, how the world used to be. <laughs> well, you're going to be coming back to win uh, for six shows very soon. But this is going to be a different show, right, than the last time you played Vegas? Well, yeah, I believe the last time we uh, were in the middle of uh, touring and doing my 50-year trip, which had uh, a lot of references and recollections of, uh, about other music, you know, that kind of vaguely about uh, what happened at Woodstock or is symbolically represented by Woodstock, probably is a more accurate way to say it. And so uh, that show reflected a lot of that music. Um, in this case, at least for the near future, I'm kind of refocusing on my own uh, recordings through throughout my life. Uh, and uh, certainly with my kids actually playing in the band, uh, you know, that's a, it's a lot of fun for me to play my songs on, in that situation, because that's sort of a, that's a new energy to me and my band. Yeah. It's a really fun element too. I saw one of your first uh, shows there at Encore Theater and it was, it was just a thrilling experience, partly because that venue had not seen a lot of real rock and roll shows at that time. You know, it's, it's just great place and very luxurious place but for you to come in there and really blow the place up, it's just a lot of fun. Oh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I was aware that um, Vegas at that time sort of had a, I don't know if stodgy is the right word, but certainly a, a much more, well, whenever you say Las Vegas show, you know, most people have some kind of preconceived notion, and I had them too, you know, and it always seemed like kind of um, – a place where the old guard, meaning Sinatra, you know, made their mark. And then uh, any anything after that, you kind of thought of a lot of um, a lot of bells and whistles, you know, a lot of Vegas uh, showbiz stuff. And so the idea of actually just playing real rock and roll was was a bit foreign then. I think it probably evolved in the few years I've been coming to Las Vegas. Yeah, definitely. I think you've uh, played a part in that evolution. Are you planning on uh, coming back to win or coming back to Las Vegas uh, sometime in the, in the new year? Uh, I would say uh, most definitely. I don't really know what those plans would be at the moment. You know, the, the, if anything, this pandemic, which, I mean, we're all dealing with it and, it, I mean, it's, it's a major thing, you know, around the whole world. And yet we've somehow become, I can't say accustomed to it. I, I'm still pretty cautious, but the picture yourself and remind yourself that this is even occurring at all. You know, it's, it's not resolved yet. I mean, and mm -hmm. so, and in some sense, life is not resolved yet. You know, we are all, pretty comfortable in our own lives, I'm sure, uh, before this happened. And that, it's kind of forced us to realize how, uh, let's say, temporary and tenuous things can be. So, I, you know, making plans too far out in advance are, um, 
sort of, you're reminded that it could all be quicksand, you know, and that everything could change. Obviously, people ask you quite a bit about current affairs and politics and stuff like that. And, and I'm not necessarily trying to walk that road, but I do want to ask you, given your extensive work supporting veterans uh, and uh, the current controversy regarding the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. And, and specifically, do you think that now might be a great time to kind of refocus people on causes like taking care of our veterans and just kind of taking care of each other in general? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, you know, while I do agree with the idea of uh, not being at war, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, obviously that means withdrawing from Afghanistan, um, you know, I think we, I think we all realize, well, probably could have been done better. I mean, I, I think the idea of blaming and pointing fingers at everybody, though, gets you know, it's chicken or the egg sort of thing. Well, who decided first? Whose idea was this really? Um, and I don't want to get into all that because I, I, it obviously could have been done uh, better, I think, in everybody's view. But I think we're also very glad that uh, we have withdrawn. I, I know that for guys who were GIs, who were soldiers, during that war, it was such a, um, it was an impossible place to, to be because, you know, I, I mean, I've read a few books and listened to guys who were injured and had friends die, of course, during that long war. Um, and when you're fighting an enemy that's watching your every move and then is able to, you know, plant bombs in, in the same road you just traveled in the morning and they know you're coming back over the same place. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's just almost impossible to deal with. Um, so I have, and for a lot of reasons, I'm really glad we're not having a war with, <laughs> with those kind of conditions, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and our brave young men and women who have accounted themselves so well in all these different military adventures that the government has uh, placed them in, you know, I, I, they deserve our support. Uh, I've always felt that way. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think it'd be great if our country uh, continues to honor our soldiers and uh, kind of, you know, thank them for their service, uh, obviously. Um and perhaps be, you know, uh, make sure that we're being very careful whenever they are uh, used in in this fashion again. Obviously, everybody is in support of taking care of our veterans. You know, we're all agreed on that. But you're you actually communicate with uh, with with people all the time. You're very very in touch with this, and you're in a position where you're able to do that. So I think it's important to get back to that connection. And, and listen to what uh, our veterans are actually talking about and what they mean. Well, you know, it's a, it's a huge subject. I, I still don't feel that we um, take care of them emotionally or financially the way we ought to. And, you know, it ends up becoming one of those political football things that 
that's when we really <laughs> that's when we really lose touch and don't do a good job. Um, I think we have other folks in our culture, uh, teachers, for instance, that you know we entrust them with such a, a high place in our lives, and yet we really don't uh, take care of them financially very well. I remember when I was a youngster, I used to tell people I wanted to grow up and be a teacher. And almost everybody, you know, all the grown-ups would always say, oh, well, you you will never get paid very well, so you probably ought to think of some other line of work. <laughs> you know? And I don't think things have much changed in, in six years that I've been watching that. Um, anyhow, so I, I, I do feel that, you know, the veterans, um, as – as those people grow up and become, let's say, higher placed within the structure, meaning becoming generals and admirals and all that, hopefully they remember uh, how it was for the grunts, you know, for the troops, for the boots on the ground, um, and resist just being, you know, the way it always looked. Uh, you know, I was, I'm a veteran myself, so I've, and, Certainly, you felt like you were a pawn in somebody else's game a lot of times. Is there anything else that you want to add? Well, you know, the show is uh, about rocking, and uh, I I really have a great time playing in front of people, and particularly when they come to me the way it is in Las Vegas. I get to stay in one place and instead of traveling on a bus or whatever, and so uh, the folks come to see me, and I realize there's quite a bit of inconvenience here and there for grown-ups to do that sort of thing. And I want, you know, I want to reassure everybody I'm very happy about uh, the job I get to do. Uh, I've got the best job in the whole world. So um, I'm, I'm always having a great time when I get to play music for people. That's it for this week's episode of The Sun on the Strip. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to John Fogarty and everybody over at Win Las Vegas for making this week's interview happen. Go see him uh, tonight, this week, all the way through October 16th. Get your tickets at winlasvegas.com. You can find past episodes of this show at lasvegassun.com slash podcasts. Thanks again. See you next week. Take care.